0: being our best and most genuine self is better than imitating someone else any day of the week.
1: From Ray & Associates Remote Studio, this is Unsuitable, a management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. On this weekly podcast, thought leaders and business professionals break down complicated and mundane topics and give you the tips and insight you actually need to grow as a leader and help your organization thrive. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. And if you want access to even more information, show notes, and exclusive content, visit our website, at www.raycpa.com slash podcast and sign up for updates. Listeners, you are in for a treat today because on the mic today is Amy Franco, author of The Modern Seller, which is in fact a bestseller on Amazon. Amy is a keynote speaker, sales strategist, and author specializing in B2B sales and sales leadership development. If you're looking for a go-to resource for B2B sales, Amy is it. We've all experienced disruption lately, but as they say, the show must go on. If you want to grow your business, you must find ways to continue the important job of business development, even when everything has changed. Amy is here today to talk about business development during disruption, how to organize your pipeline, how to stay in front of clients and rise above the noise, and how to help your customers prioritize what's most important right now. Welcome to Unsuitable, Amy.
0: Doug, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I wish uh, we could get together in person, but uh, such is life these days amid uh, amid COVID-19. So
0: We'll just have to do it again in the future.
1: For sure. So you are absolutely, uh, I'm going to put all the pressure on us. You're absolutely going to be one of my favorite guests of all time here. And the reason I say that is because this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. And that's relationship building and and thinking about uh, developing business through this period. So what, what's your, what's your best and most sage advice right now during these, during these challenging times in terms of business development?
0: Oh, well, yeah, the pressure's on, right? You're shaking your magic eight ball. We're, we're going to, we're putting together a great conversation today. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, it's, uh, Probably one of the biggest conversations I'm having right now is the mindset. Our, our mindset as business developers, as leaders, is more critical than ever before. So that that's a conversation I'm having often is how do we keep the right mindset, keep a positive outlook amidst all of this disruption And the second thing that I would add to that is conversations about making sure that we're staying out front and center. It -hmm. is easy, especially in remote environments, to kind of sit back, to maybe hide a little bit in our home offices. And this is a time where we have to find creative ways to stay in front and to be that uh, calm, uh, confident, trusted advisor with our clients and also our prospects
1: i think yeah i think that's uh, certainly uh, well stated and i know one of the one of the lessons that that i personally learned through the great recession and 0809 9 timeframe is you know you've got to try to also focus beyond the current crisis mode and and try to think beyond that think a little more long term would, would would you agree what 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 are your what's your approach beyond this this current crisis
0: yeah, one hundred percent agree. It's really easy to with with the news cycles and social media and just everything that's happening is to stay right to keep what what's right in front of us and to kind of get sucked down into it. there's a um there's a need to, of course, pay attention to what's happening um so we can advise our clients well, but we also have to keep an eye to the future. We have to be looking at the next quarter, the next year into 2021 and beyond because we are going to come out of this we will recover it may not look the same it most likely won't look the same but there's still opportunity and it's still our role to be looking to the future so that we can create our own futures within our organizations but also help our clients and prospects see what the future what the future could look like. And one one thing that I've been doing and I encourage all of my clients to do is to take a really good hard honest look at your pipeline. That mm. that's an activity of today, but mm. also something that will help all uh, help you look toward the future. So taking a really good hard look at your pipeline, which which opportunities and clients and projects could potentially still be moving forward because there are segments that are th- driving right now, which opportunities, projects, prospects might not be moving forward right now and staying in front of those and being there for them today, but also into the future. So if you haven't taken that good, honest look at your pipeline, that that's the first thing that I'm telling my clients to do.
1: Yeah. I think that's, that's wonderful advice because as you said, everything shifted so much so you can't assume the status quo once we once we get back to somewhat more normalcy uh, for sure. Well,
0: yeah, exactly. Even if I look at, use myself as an example, I have four different revenue streams in my organization. One of them is keynote speaking. Well, there's not a whole lot of keynote speaking going on right now. <laughs> you know, that's, that, that revenue stream is, is, is hurting, um, yeah. but it will come back. And so my, my job is to make sure that I'm still taking care of that revenue stream in addition to the others. And to your point, still keeping that eye to the future.
1: Yeah so you, you talked a little bit about you know staying in front of folks, and I know that's something that, that I've tried to emphasize uh, within our own organization too. You know staying in front of folks, you know check in, provide a lot of resources through this time. and, and that's, that sort of gets you in the door with with prospective clients and, and certainly strengthens existing clients. So how do you take that? The, those efforts that you've made and then leverage that into your future future pipeline uh, do you have any any thoughts there
0: yeah yeah so so going back to my pipeline reference and taking a look at our revenue streams and our pipelines i will categorize or prioritize my pipeline between my my current clients that i have active, active consulting work, active training work with whatever that looks like. So I will prioritize those first. Mm -hmm. I, I have, and continue to check in with those clients and I will even go beyond my, just my, my main contacts there. I will go to other contacts that I have across those clients just to continue building those relationships to understand, hey, where are we today? Is is this something that we want to continue talking about? Are you in a wait-and-see mode? What do things look like for you? So that we can navigate it together. We can't control if they are necessarily moving forward or not, but what we can control is how we handle it and how we work together to put some milestones into the future if, in fact, they are in in a wait-and-see type of pattern. So, so I start with those current clients first then I move over to my prospective clients these are clients that maybe they don't know me yet they might they right. might know my name they, we might have been introduced at some point but we don't have a current project current working relationship if you will those can be a little trickier because you don't necessarily have that trust factor yet with them so the way that I've approached prospective clients is to you know, it's, it's genuine interest in, in checking in on them and making sure that they're doing well and it, I might say something like this might may not be the best timing I'd be interested in if you are doing investments into the business are you in a wait-and-see type of mode how might we continue building a relationship moving forward so yeah. it, it's um, it give it just opens up the conversation a little bit more. It's genuine. It helps to build relationships for the long term versus risking being seen as opportunistic.
1: Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And, and our, you know, my approach has been to try to, you know, reach out and frankly, you know, I've, I've provided some resources in terms of my own time, effort and research uh, for free to prospective clients to try to strengthen that relationship. And they see, look, if this is how you're going to react and and be there with me in a time of crisis, then when we get beyond this, that, that really, that says everything about how you'd view them as a client. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right. And uh, to, to your point of offering some of those resources thought leadership pieces other other research that may not necessarily be be from my organization but other well-regarded research just just sharing those things periodically I've had a couple clients that I've reached out to where I've offered you know 30 days of my advisory at, at no charge uh, so yeah. so similar to what you're what you're saying where can we be strategic with using our, our smarts and our resources with uh, either current clients or
1: prospects yeah, no, I think that's, that's a great way to, to, to look at it. So how do you, once you get engaged with a client and, and you think, okay, here's, here's the, you know, here's their business. I, I, you know, I, I listen, I learn about their business. How do you then translate that into assisting them with their, their business to business development efforts? what are some of the steps
0: there? Yeah. So so let's, maybe we'll unpack that one a little bit. So if I, if I'm, uh, if, if I'm in that scenario where it's, it's, maybe it's a new, new potential relationship. So part of what, part of what my organization does is business develop sales training. So I've actually created uh, a four-part business development framework that I will bring to organizations and I, I will teach them the, the, the foundation of successful business development. And I think that there there are four pieces that go into the decision making process, if you will. There's the intelligence that we have about that prospect or client. So to your point, how much do we know about their business? How much do we know about the vision of the, the CEO? Um, how much do we know about internal organizational challenges? These things can all signify where there might be either some trigger events or some uh, some problems to solve. Sometimes they don't even know that they have a problem to solve until we're there as as a sounding board for them. So yeah. that that intelligence piece is is really important. Uh, the relationships are. The other piece, do, do we have access to the right relationships? Are we, um, are we being strategic in our efforts? And are we reaching people who are influential in the decision-making process? So, so I, f- I focus on that and make sure that I am building relationships uh, at the right levels of the business. Um, the other two pieces of the framework are around um, proposing solutions that really Mm -hmm. fit the outcomes and the value that they're looking to, to uh, get to. And then what's the commitment look like? Are we willing to, how do we close business in a way that uh, has integrity and uh, signifies commitment on both sides? Um, If it's a new relationship, and understanding their business, and then I'm looking for ways that I can bring fresh ideas to them that might signify something that they'd be interested in talking about further.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a, a great approach. I know one of the things that I sometimes struggle with, you know, it, within our own organization, now I'm considered a, a, a sage old experienced person, you know, now that I have, I guess, 30 years under my belt in, in different roles. But, you know, for young people trying to establish themselves and they look and say, okay, you know, I, I see some of the, the partners or the you know senior folks in, in my organization and, and what they do. How do I so when, once you're engaged with an organization, how do you how do you sort of get them to think uh, to to build that pipeline within their own organization of people that can, you know, then start to do their own thing as well. How, how do you how do you do that?
0: Yeah, yeah. So there, there's an exercise I'll sometimes sometimes take folks through. And uh, this can be applied regardless of the industry that that you happen to sit in. But um, I I think that that's a real common challenge when sometimes when we're younger in our careers and it's you can feel like you're kind of boiling the ocean, right? There are so many, so many industries, verticals, opportunities, you kind of feel like you're on the hamster wheel. So where, where do I focus my efforts? So an exercise that I take myself through, and I've also taken clients through is um, taking a look at the verticals. And especially in professional services, there are a lot of verticals that you could go into, but if you could pick maybe two or three that are either growth for your firm, they're, they're, they're growth initiatives for your firm. They are verticals where you have particular expertise or interest. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of different ways that you can land on those verticals. But if you can pick two or three to focus your efforts in, that gives you more laser focus than feeling like you are trying to go after you know five or eight or 10. So yeah. that's typically where I'll start with someone who's saying, I, I don't know where to start. I, I at least need a track to start running on.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's, that's great advice too. One of the things I try to tell people, I mean, I go back to when, when I started, it's, you know, just try to be informed, you know, be a sponge and, and learn and read, find those two or three things that you spoke of that, that are of interest to your organization and would be interest to potential clients and, you know, be passionate about it and learn as much as you can. Right. So when you're in front of those folks, you can talk to them about uh, things that are of interest to them.
0: Yeah, and, and along that same line, um, so so I, I got my start in technology. So for the first ten years of my career, I was in the technology sector. I worked for IBM and I also worked for Lenovo. And I remember early on in my career. Um, There were a couple of people on my team that were just absolute rock stars. I I wanted to be them when I grew up. And so I I would actually shadow them, I would go with them on um, client appointments, I would offer to help them with proposal writing to learn what it was that made them successful to, to be in their space, if you will. And and so if someone is newer in their career, is there that rock star in your yeah. organization that you want to learn from offer to shadow them offer to to help them on proposals, anything you can do to, to just immerse yourself and learn from them and what's made them successful.
1: Oh, I think that's, yeah, that's a wonderful idea. That kind of it doesn't have to even be formal, right? Just an informal yeah. mentoring and, and, you know, hey, pick your brain a little bit, whatever it is, go, go to lunch or something, you know, when we're able Absolutely. to do that again.
0: Yeah, right. Right. I know. <laughs>
1: um,
0: we, we will. We will be able to yeah, do that we again. Will. But yes, follow, follow them, offer to help them. If I wanted to learn a different skill, I remember there was someone early on in my career who was a rock star at prospecting. Mm-hmm. And I would learn from him about some of his prospecting strategies. So depending on what you're looking to learn, there might be different people that you to informally mentor with.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that's important too. You, you, you sort of alluded to it there. You, you, you want to... How do you encourage people to sort of develop their own style uh, so that they can be successful? You can't be uncomfortable, right? In, in what you're doing. So you can take those things. How do you, how do you encourage somebody to kind of use and develop their own style?
0: Yeah, it's, 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 I always think about the, uh, that, that phrase about it's better to be your best self than to try to imitate someone else. Um, it's, I, I I always kind of, I am not getting that statement, right, but it's the, the idea that being our best and most genuine self is better than imitating someone else any day of the week, you know, business development is, it can be really uncomfortable. You know, we're putting ourselves out there and we're risking rejection. We're, we're putting ourselves out there every day. So there is a, there's definitely a level of discomfort with it, especially early on. I always encourage people to take what you learn and adapt your style to it. Use your words, yeah. use what is going to be the most genuine to you because that's what people are going to connect with. They're going to connect with your best you.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's wonderful uh, advice on that front too. I'm I'm curious as to your thoughts on you know I've been in different organizations. Some have been more formalized, I would say, with their business development practices. Others less so. And I see the advantages of, of both. What do you feel about that in terms of you know, say having a quote unquote playbook? Here's how we how we do things. That it's very. Um, boxed in and defined versus a, a, a looser environment. What are, what are your thoughts on on both of those?
0: So, so first, I, I will bust a myth that you're either really good at business development or you're not. Um, there are people that absolutely gravitate toward it. But but I also strongly believe it's, it's a set of skills and a mindset that, that can be developed if you want to develop it. Um, there's some research that's done by uh chief sales officer is uh, a research organization. And they've done some research on this exact topic that you're talking about and what they have found. And this is a this is a statement not just within professional services, but across industries over 900 organizations they they have surveyed. And what they found was the highest performing organizations, the ones that move uh, further up the chain in becoming a trusted advisor, the ones that experience the most uh, profitable and sustainable growth. So that top right quadrant, if you will, the ones that are in that top right quadrant have a defined sales and business development process but one that's also flexible to specific situations oh, okay. uh, defined in that yet yeah, defined in that you have a, uh, I like to call it a framework defined in that you have a framework, uh, a, a process, if you will, that gives you a common language. It okay. gives you an anchoring point. It gives you specific skills that you work on, but, but flexible in that depending on what types of industries you're selling into you can adapt it for the situation that you're in. So, so it's that mix of structure plus flexibility that helps those organizations be trusted advisors and be the highest performing.
1: So, in, in other words, you can have a, a process or or even even a box, but permit it to be wide. And and within that, there's plenty of room to to maneuver given the current situation or even the the existing personalities that that are involved, right?
0: Well, yeah, exactly. And it's something that I see a lot in professional services is um, a lot of organizations are driven, uh, RFP heavy, it's a hard RFP heavy business. So when, when I'm working with clients and we're, we're talking about sales process, you might have some scenarios like an RFP type of scenario where it's very formal. You have to follow very specific things. You're doing formal presentations. That's a mm-hmm. bit of a different scenario than if you are writing an engagement letter you're, you're writing an engagement letter with outcomes and value for the client, but maybe you're sitting across the table or you're doing something in Zoom like we're doing today. Um, you still need to get to the same outcome, but the way that you approach it needs to be flexible just based on your scenario.
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting too. I think one of the things that we struggle with, and I know a lot of folks in, in uh, different industries struggle with, is, is that RFP mentality versus the you know true relationship and and you've won the relationship due to the value that you can show you're you're able to provide obviously big difference there how do you overcome some of that kind of rfp type of mentality and you get to the lowest common denominator which is always price you know that kind of a thing
0: yeah i know it's hard and i you know i have um i i've i've Done both. I have worked in RFP heavy environments. I've responded to my fair share of really large RFPs. And I've also had um, opportunities where it's a, you know, a three-page agreement and we are ready to move forward. Yeah. I would say the common thread in both scenarios, from my perspective, is are we clear on the the business outcomes that they're looking to accomplish? Do we have understanding of what's going to make it successful? What are their measures of success? And can we really articulate do our solutions help drive both of those things and get to the higher level value that the organization is looking to accomplish? In RFPs, that can be tough because especially if you are you're it's an initial response and you're looking to get to the one of the three or the five that get to the presentation round, it can be extremely price driven. Um, But I would argue that there are things that we can absolutely do behind the scenes. Again, going back to how much intelligence do we have about this organization? What relationships do we have in the organization that we can leverage? Um, And then strategically does putting our time and effort and resources into these RFP responses is there a strategic reason to do it so yeah. thinking through that and yes or no uh, to whether or not you reply depends on your strategy and uh, yeah. so thinking through that first before going down the road can help can help with a lot of the RFPs that we respond to that are really low odds
1: yeah yeah that makes that makes great sense so so one last question: Your book, "The Modern Seller." So, are we yeah. going to have to adapt that now uh, for for uh, COVID nineteen? Uh, we going to see an addendum to that.
0: You never you never know, right? Um, so so the 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 catalyst behind the modern seller was with my own prospects and seeing uh, changes and how they needed to go to market with their own prospects and clients, you know, things like being able to prospect and present and negotiate and close those things don't, those activities are still critical and they don't change. But the book dives into what I see are some skills behind the skills, some real strategic skills that if we build these in ourselves, we are going to be better at those activities. We're going to be better at navigating and excelling in disruption. So digging into uh, topics like agility, thinking like an entrepreneur, how we build loyalty, how we build strategic relationships, how we think holistically about our selling process, those things are very foundational and will help us be better and will help us thrive in disruption.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I, I second that advice. And I think that's, uh, I applaud you for, for your insight. So thanks for joining, uh, joining us today, Amy. And if you want more business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at www.raycpa.com slash podcasts. And while you're there, sign up for exclusive content and show notes. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Be sure to subscribe to Unsuitable on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us right now, including YouTube. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another unsuitable interview from an industry professional.
0: The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray & Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance.